0: Thank you for joining the Home Church podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org.
1: Such an incredible anointing for freedom here this morning. It's so beautiful. Because I know the Lord spoke that in my heart actually for today freedom. Like real freedom. The gospel brings real transformation. Like, your life really, really changes. <laughs> and we're going to look at that, and I just love that the Lord is already confirming that and, and moving us in that direction. And so I, I really feel that if there's strongholds in your life, if there's things that you know where you're not in alignment with God's will for your life, I just want you to know that there's, there's freedom. And I feel God wants to um, break those things and teach us how to live and walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. So I just want to pray into that, to what the Lord's doing. I thank you, Jesus, that you, your God, that sets free. That you actually take us captive to free us. And that everything that we've looked to and put our hearts to, it actually has enslaved us. But I thank you, Jesus, that you are our ransomer, that you came and paid the highest price for each and every soul here. And I pray, Jesus of Nazareth, that you would walk in the midst of your people here today. And I pray that as we open your word, that the Spirit of God would be released. And I pray for those that are struggling with, with sexual immorality would be set free. I pray for those that are struggling with anger would be set free. I pray for those that are struggling with depression, that they would be set free. I pray with for those that are struggling with some type of Trauma in their life because they've seen or walked through something. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd set them free. Holy Spirit, I pray that that we would encounter the true gospel, Lord, and then our lives would be forever changed once again this morning. We look to you, who the sun sets free, is free indeed. And I pray, Lord, that we would experience that in all its fullness here. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen amen. Thank you, worship team. Awesome. Here we are again with some beautiful weather. (laughs) Keep looking out. Um, Yeah, I really feel on my heart right now freedom, and uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what the Lord does. Um, So so Friday morning, we were in our our prayer room that we have here and worshiping and seeking the Lord, and and, uh, I, I came in Friday to to, to be a part of the prayer room and then just to finish up some thoughts for today. And then the Lord just completely shifted gears in the prayer room and said, I want you to speak into this. And And, uh, and so I wrestled with it a little bit, but then said, all right, Lord, I just want to be obedient. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if Harun's here. I don't see Harun. I know he's probably listening though with his, his wife. I saw his wife somewhere. Oh, there she is. But Harun, Haroon spoke this Tuesday at chapel. It was an awesome message. And let me tell you, he really encouraged me because uh, he was talking about Jeremiah, how Jeremiah uh, when, he spoke, when he spoke his message, he wasn't concerned with what the people wanted to hear necessarily or he wasn't really concerned with having something new. He said, Jeremiah spoke right what the Lord gave him. In fact, Jeremiah spoke the same message for 40 years. Can you imagine that? Every Sunday coming up and it's like, what are you going to speak today? It's like, we're going to do the same thing again. You know, that really counters our culture in the age of information. It's like we always want something new, but what's the purpose of new information if it's not transformative? And so Jeremiah is just like, why are we going to move on to something new and to what we're saying is really taking root in our hearts. But the point being is that I, I felt the real freedom just to say, you know what, who cares how long, who cares what it is. If it's God's message, then just go for it, right? If it's one word or if it's, it's three hours, which I hope not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the Lord was really just speaking to me about freedom, uh, gospel transformation. But, look, if we're going to walk in that, um, we've got to be able to talk real, <laughs> We've got to actually be able to talk about, like, real stuff that goes on in our lives and the flesh that wrestles against and fights against this and, and what Jesus has made available. So I just, I want to encourage you um, that I believe, yeah, God really wants to set hearts free today and walk in, like, the power of God, like, the power of, of the gospel is salvation for right now, all right? So I'm going to, uh, yeah, we're going to jump into Romans 6. I trust the Lord will connect dots here. Uh, so Romans 6, and then we're going to look at Romans 8, uh, these are the two um, portions of Scripture. Romans 6, I want to stir your heart to the freedom that is available in Christ. And then in Romans 8, I want to just give some practical things, if the Lord leads us all the way through in that, of how we actually live by the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the body. And we will live when we do that. Amen? We ready to grow? If you have your Bible, please open there. Romans chapter 6, verses 4 to 8. So if you're familiar, Romans is is an incredible book in particular. Actually, by the way, we're doing a study through Revelation. I'm leaning towards when we finish to actually go through Romans. We'll do it right here on Wednesday nights. I encourage you guys to come because like if you love to go like expository, right? Line by line, chapter by we do that. And we go deep into it. So we're probably gonna go through Romans. Uh, but chapters five through eight is one of the greatest sections of of really what the gospel is, and salvation, and the fullness of salvation, what it really means, and that's what Paul is getting at, and I'm going to highlight just one chapter here, and a few verses that'll give us enough enough context for where we're going. So this is what Paul is saying, he's speaking to the church, and he says, we were buried therefore with him, meaning with Christ, by baptism into death, by baptism into death, in order that, here's the reason why, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. <laughs> what a beautiful statement. Like, if you want to even give a title to this, I would, I, I, it doesn't really matter, but newness of life. Like newness of life is available for every single person here. And Paul says it's contingent on though, will you enter into a baptism of death unto the Lord? Will you crucify the flesh Luke 9, 23 says, if anyone wants to follow me, Jesus said he must deny himself and pick up his cross daily and he'll be able to have me. The cross is often seen as a place of conversion, which it is, but to pick up the cross daily means it's not just a moment of conversion. The cross is the means of transformation. It is by the continual yielding of oneself into the finished work of Jesus that we experience new life. And so, so he says, we too might walk in newness of life. Is that a distant future life? No, walk in it today, today. Today is the day of newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse six, oh man, I encourage you to read these chapters. They're so liberating. Verse six says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that, listen, the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. All right, you ready to go into this? I'm just gonna let the Lord lead us here today and share a few thoughts, and I wanna pray. I really wanna speak into this newness of life, and in newness of life, he says that we can walk in newness of life. Walk means it's not just something that we're looking forward to. It's something that we can actually possess and walk in right now. And God, listen, God is a God who does new things. I, like, he, he makes things new. He has a desire. He has an ability to make things new. Like, there's a great hope this morning that no matter what we're walking through, there's an opportunity for things to be made new in your life. It's fascinating. If you actually look at all of the activities surrounding the work of Jesus in the New Testament, it's always categorized as new. He says it's a new covenant. He says a new command I give you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says you are a new creation. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. He says uh, the, the song of the elders, it's a new song. There's a new Jerusalem. Everything that Jesus does is he makes new. And there's a hope for every person here that you can actually walk in the newness of life. If you actually trace this, this word, if you go back through the Old Testament, you find that new, the root word new, it actually always emphasized something that never existed before. For example, Isaiah said, forget the former things. Behold, the Lord is doing a new thing. Meaning you've never seen this before. <laughs> So when Paul talks about us walking in newness of life, he's saying there is an availability for a life to walk in that you could never walk in before. Like by your, by your flesh, you were completely incapable of doing it. You could have tried, you could have seen it, you could have longed to come out of the things that you were living in, but you would never be able to without the Spirit. And now that you have the Spirit, you can walk in the newness of life here today. But it's contingent on us continually yielding our life to the work of the Spirit. So here's Paul's, here's thing. I want you to stay with me for a moment to teach this and then and we can uh, give some application. Paul's, Paul's statement of newness of life, to understand it fully, you have to understand how Paul under, uh, sees salvation, right? What does it mean, salvation? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean that Jesus has come to set us free? Set us free, what is he saving us to? What is he saving us from, right? Well, biblically, if you look at salvation and Paul's understanding, especially in chapters 5 to 8, Salvation is threefold, and maybe this has confused you. Let me just teach this for a moment. The Bible says that we were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. There's actually three facets of this, right? So, so here's, the, here's the biblical words. It means justification, sanctification, and glorification. Just, just stay with me for a moment. When it says that we, we were saved, it means that you were justified, What that means is that when you came into relationship with Jesus, the blood of Christ is so sufficient and so strong that it literally washed you so clean of everything that you've done that you are now justified before a holy God. Which means his spirit comes to indwell you and you are in right standing with him. Justification means the penalty of sin has been broken. Praise the Lord. If you're in Christ, you're no longer guilty. The penalty of sin has been broken. And by the way, all of this is unto union with God. Like the biggest picture of salvation is intimacy with the Lord. It's so that the spirit of God can come and live inside of you. And you would become the temple, the living place, the, the literally the dwelling place of God. Right? So you have one on one side you have justification, you were saved. Flip all the way forward to the other end of the spectrum. We will be saved. What does that mean? We will be glorified. It's the hope of just everything that is not of the Lord is going to be basically kicked out of us and there's going to be a glorified body. Sin, everything about it will be, will be removed from our lives. and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we have the hope of being restored to that place and to live with God in eternal life, right? And why am I saying this? Because we typically in salvation look at a past event, we were justified, the penalty of sin, and we look to it to the future, the hope of the future. But what about right now? What about right now? And what Romans 6 is talking about is Paul saying there's also another facet to salvation. Not only were you saved, not only will you be saved, but you are being saved right now. From what? From what? From the power of sin in your life. This is so important. When we think of salvation, a lot of times it's something that happened in the past, and then we just, we look forward to the future date of when we'll see the fullness of it. But what Paul is teaching is that we actually can be set free right now. That actually the power of sin can be broken. Most of the time when we talk about salvation, we talk about how we were saved from hell, right? Right? So we have a relationship with Jesus and we know that our eternal destiny has changed. That's amazing. But we weren't just saved from hell. We were saved from the power of sin. This is so, so important because that means that there's something that you can walk in right now. Revelation 1.5 says that we were set free from our sins by his blood. By his blood he set us free. See, here's what I find, and I just want to break this open. Here's what I find in our culture. Our culture typically views salvation in the West as something that we experience and then we long for in the future. It's something that we're just waiting for. So for right now, we're kind of in this in-between state where we're just like bound to the same things that we were bound to before. But that's not Paul's teaching. You know how we normally present the gospel here? Can we just, can we just be honest for a moment <laughs> and really talk about how do we present the gospel in America Typically what will happen, and let me be clear, I've shared this and there's value to this, I understand it, but it's really not what Paul would have said. And look, at the end of the day, I understand the, the, the key of getting someone to know where they're going, but a lot of times what we say is, it would be like this. You come up and you say, listen, if you, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? And if you don't know Jesus, then you should receive Jesus here today. And then we'll typically say something like, now everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, and if that's you, raise your hand. Just slip it up real quick and bring it down, right? And this is the way we normally present it. But what we're doing by saying that is that the hope of salvation is purely something that's restricted to the future. What we're saying is that when you get to heaven, that's when you'll be able to see, like, real power move in your life. And so what happens is that people then think that because we've said this prayer, we still, we still see selfishness remain in our lives. We see lust remain in our lives. We see anger remain in our lives. We see all of these things still being unchecked in our life because we do not realize that although there is a glorious hope, there is something that's available right now, that the power of sin can actually be broken in our lives. Like today that Paul is saying, you don't have to be bound by sin anymore. And it's like, well, listen, I prayed the prayer. I get that. And it's like, I'm in the Lamb's book of life. That's awesome. But is the Lamb living through you? Is he living in you? Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. We get messed up with the word heaven. We think heaven means he was saying repent because there's something to come. He's saying it's here. The kingdom of heaven is the same word for the kingdom of God. He just used heaven because he was speaking to the Jews. What he was saying is it's right here, right now. I'm not talking about waiting for something in the future. The, the, uh, Crystal was just, we were just talking about this. In the in the script. The gospel's never presented in terms of where you're going for eternity. It's right now, here, there is, there is an ability and a power to live in the newness of life. It's such good news, guys, that you don't have to stay stuck in things that are not of God. That's what Paul is saying. He's actually saying you want to know how you've come into right faith with the Lord, how you know it? Because the righteousness that you've been imputed, that's been imputed to you by Christ, you begin to experience it on a daily basis. What took place when you were converted and justified? He says, this is how you know. You begin to walk in it and and live in it. Listen, if our hope, if our hope is only in the future to be set free, if our hope is only when death comes that we will be liberated, then guess what? Jesus is not our savior, death is. Death is then our savior, If my only hope of ever being set free from the things that have pulled my life down is one day I will die and then be liberated, then my hope is in death. But the scriptures say Christ in you is the hope of glory. The hope of glory. That's what Paul's saying like right now, guys. When we learn to live by the Spirit, we can actually be set free and walk in newness of life right here, right now. Such good news because, listen, (laughs) If you're bound, a lot of us just think, man, I just wrestling through. Let me give an example. Romans 7, next chapter. How many of you have ever read Romans 7? It's one of these uh, well-known portions of Scripture, if you don't know it. Paul goes on to explain uh, the power of sin. He says there's a power of sin, the indwelling power of sin. And he talks about the, the inability of man's natural strength and the law to actually keep man from doing the things he doesn't want to do. So it's that famous scripture where Paul says, I don't know why I do the things I don't want to do. Or he's speaking about a believer or, or um, a person. I should say, I don't know if it's him. Or, or the things that I know I should do, I don't do. And the point is this, though, is that Paul is not referring to him as a new covenant believer. He was actually talking about the inability of the law and the inability of man's own desire and strength and discipline to ever be able to walk in the newness of life. Which is why he says at the end, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who has rescued me from, Jesus, uh, from, from sin, Jesus Christ. Romans 8 now is how you live by the spirit even though the flesh is still there. He says now you can live in victory. That's his whole point of Romans 7. He's not leading us into a, a mindset of defeatism. And that's how, I, that's how it often is interpreted where we're kind of in this place where it's like, man, the Lord has touched me. He's... he's he saved me. I know where I'm going, but for now I'm just bound in all of these things. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying you're actually liberated. And so often we actually fall below a standard that Jesus has made available. And listen to me, this isn't a message of condemnation. That's not how Paul He says it's liberation. You're liberated. You're free. You don't have to stay bound to those things anymore. You actually have a power living in you that will set you free from the very things that was destroying your life. What does that mean? That means if you're in addiction today, guess what? It can be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a living testimony of that. If you're stuck in sexual morality, you can be set free from that. If you're stuck in anger, you can be set free from that. Like Martha says, oh, I know my brother will be resurrected at a future date. Jesus says, no, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am here today, today. This is good, good news that Paul is laying out for us. He says that sin, it's like that gravitational pull. Well, I found a power that's greater than that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you and me begin to learn how to walk by the Spirit, which is where we're going in Romans 8, he says, you don't have to give into that anymore. This is such good news. And you know what? Paul's language, I don't know about you, it sounds a little bit strange sometimes because Paul uses language like, Um, uh, what does he say he says you don't longer have to be enslaved to sin you'll be set free from sin he gives strong language of sin being being a captor like we were actually in bondage to sin and we were slave to it and we could not do otherwise and see what I find is that in our culture we don't have a right view of sin because we've become so secularized that we no longer see that all the brokenness in our world is actually the root issue is sin is sin, so when Paul is saying, guys, the power of sin is broken, he's saying everything that's caused brokenness in your life, everything that's led you into shame, fear, anxiety, everything that's just left you feeling like like there's just nothing left to live for, he says that thing's broken now. That thing is broken. Can I just be real? Do you know why also we don't see the good news and how Paul speaks so adamantly and strongly about putting to death sin? The reason why we don't is because we live in a culture that celebrates and is even entertained by the very things Jesus has died for. So we, it seems strange to us when Paul is saying, you were actually a captive. You are, we're like, what do you mean I found pleasure? And then he says, no, this is why you had brokenness in your life. This is why you felt empty. It's because you were a slave and you could not get out, but one has come to pay the price. And if you yield into the spirit, you'll be liberated from that. That's glorious, glorious news, guys. We can be set free. It's not a message of condemnation, but liberation. Listen, the call call to holiness and purity, it's not a call to miss out on fun. (laughs) That's the point. That's the deception we live in. In this culture, it's like, oh, God is just, he doesn't want you to have fun. The call to holiness is not living a life of just avoiding the bad things. The Christian life is so much more than that. The call to holiness is actually to grow in intimacy with God. It's actually to enjoy the fullness of life that God has made available. It's sin that actually destroys that. And Paul is saying again right here, guys, you want to know what you've been set free from? You were saved. Yeah, you will be saved. But right now you're being saved from the power of sin. And you can actually walk and experience like the fruit of the spirit. Fullness of life right here, right now. So look, holiness, you, you may miss out on certain activities, that's true. But I, I promise you this, your heart will never miss out. Your heart will never miss out. You know why? Because those things actually is what leads you again into brokenness, isolation, shame, fear, all of that stuff. And so this is the message of the gospel that you are liberated here and today. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 8 share a few other thoughts here. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 to 13. Come on, death. Death is not our savior. Jesus is. And it's here and now. And you say, well, this, this, sounds, this sounds great, but how do I walk in this? How do I experience this? How do I live in this newness of life? Well, to take Paul right at his words in chapter six, he talks about being crucified with Christ. And the reason why is because that allows us then to yield ourselves to live by the spirit. And when we live by the spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And you say, okay, but, but what does that look like? Well, I wanna give you some practical things of how we do that, all right? So that's, that's what this point is, is that there's newness of life for everyone here. And it sounds good, and it's like, man, my heart's stirred. Like, there's things in my life that just, I know, kill me and leave me more broken But how do I get out of that? And I want to just share some things here. So let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 13. It's the last, like, main scripture I want to read with you guys. Verse 9 says this. Paul is now speaking again. Let me just remind you. He's now speaking about the the war of the flesh and spirit. So let me be clear. There will be desires that conflict within you. But Paul's point now is with the spirit, you can actually walk in victory over those things. And so he says this to the church. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Verse 10 But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Listen to verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Wow. Is that a hope of a future resurrection? Absolutely. But it's resurrection life for right now. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the spirit that broke the power of death, it broke the power of hell It lives in you when you are in Christ. That's the power that's resting in you. In verse 12, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. And then look at verse 13, so important here. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 13 again, listen to this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. (laughs) Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church, guys. So important that we have to have the right perspective to what sin is and understand the power that we've been given to walk in freedom. He says, if you put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, you will live. What are the deeds of the body? Well, as we'll see, it's, it's, it's the manifestation or the outer workings of sin. It's literally like actions of sin, right? But I want you to stay with me because the call here today is not to empty moralism. The call here is not just to grit your teeth and try harder because then you'll just go in circles and circles. There's something bigger here. It's how to live by the Spirit which enables you to walk in what God has made available for you. And so verse 13 is so important I believe to walking in this new life. It's a statement that is conditional, which means which means our partner our partnership is essential to seeing it come to pass. For if you do not put it's basically saying if you do not put to death the deeds of the body by the spirit you will die. But if you do, you will live. It's like going to a doctor and you're sick and the doctor says take this pill. And if you take this medicine, you'll get better. That's what this is saying here. If you learn to, by the spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will experience life right now. You'll experience life. So here's the question is, what is meant by life and death? Right? I mean, is it, is it speaking about something of, of, eternal, uh, of eternal weight? Is it, is it salvation in the bigger picture? Perhaps that's a whole nother debate. But here's what I do know. I know in the context of this, Paul's speaking about life right now. Spiritual life right now. John 10.10 10 says that the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that you may have life and life abundantly. Abundantly. Like that's, that's right now the abundant life. It's the fullness of the fruit of the spirit coming through your life. What is that? Joy, peace, goodness, self-control, patience. Like things that our hearts long for. We can actually walk in this if we learn to apply what it is, it is saying here. First Thessalonians 3.8 says this, For now we really live, for now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. So here's the thing put before us. Learn by the Spirit to put the, the death, the deeds of the body, and you shall live. If not, you will experience death. I believe, like, what this is, it's, it's the principle of sowing. <laughs> Scripture says those who sow in the flesh will reap destruction, but those in the Spirit will reap life. So you can be a child of God, but be reaping destruction, be reaping death in your life, not living in the abundant fullness of that Christ has made available. How? By not learning to put to death the deeds of the body. By letting sin abound. And because we don't understand how dangerous it is, we have a very casual approach to this. But Paul's language is very intense as, as we'll look at in a moment. It's really, really important. So here's, here's what I'd say. Like when I meet with different people and um, especially a Teen Challenge and guys would say, well, I struggle with lust, Right? When I see a woman, I struggle with lust. And then here's what you find out, that what they watch behind the scenes is not good. Like when you watch pornography, the reason why you cannot stop undressing someone in the public is because you've been sowing in death. And you're reaping that. Like when we struggle with anger and you find out, well, the stuff that we speak about or the stuff we watch is so violent, we're sowing in, we're sowing death and we reap that. So this is talking about a life that you can live right now where you can experience peace, joy, joy. Like the the love of God, self-control by what we're sowing in our lives, and learning to live and walk by the spirit. David, um David said in Psalm 38, guys, listen, I know like this is this is real though, because sometimes stuff's going on in our life, and we're like, why do I feel this? And you find out it's like we're not learning to put to death sin in our life. David said in Psalm 38, he let lust go on in his heart, and he used expressions like he's faint, he's weak. Uh, He says he feels sick. He's talking about like the spiritual strength that he had, it's being sapped from him. Like, I don't know about you, but I've experienced those things firsthand. Like, when you let sin, you know it. You're just letting things that Jesus has made a way for you to put to death just linger in your life. It sucks the strength out of you. Like, you just don't have even a passion. It dulls your passion for the Lord. And the good news is is we don't have to stay there. (laughs) That's the good news. We don't have to stay there. And we can learn to walk in victory by the Lord. And so, again, I feel that oftentimes we can feel frustrated. We can feel apathy. We can feel staleness in our walk. And it's not always this. But a lot of times is we haven't learned to walk by the Spirit. We haven't learned to live by the Spirit. And, again, our culture, our culture teaches us to actually be entertained by the very things Jesus has died for. And, man, we need a, we need a right perspective on, uh, on what the Lord has, has, um, has called us into. Do you know, biblically... I was, I was just fascinated by this. If you look scripturally at, at how Christians are to view sin, Paul says what? Put to death, crucify the flesh, cast off. Jesus said in, in Matthew 18.8, he says, if your eye or your hands uh, commit sin, he says, gouge it out, cut it off, throw it away. <laughs> okay, that's not literal, so I don't want to see you guys come next week with no eyes and hands, all right? But listen, it's important. He's speaking strong language, it's strong language, yet how often do we have that same intensity to sin? Do we understand how destructive it really is? Do we really understand it? And Paul says, man, when this stuff comes up, get rid of it. Get it out of your life, right? So here's, here's where I'll finish with you guys. How do we do that? How do we put to death the deeds of the body? Well, he says first it's, it's what? It's by the spirit, right? It's by the spirit. Here's the first thing. You cannot, put, you cannot have the spirit put it to death in your body if you're not born again of the spirit. So first and foremost is you have to come into relationship with Jesus. Number one thing, your discipline, like your b- best effort, you can see your life falling apart and say, man, like I want to get out of this. And you can try as hard as you can. It may work for a few months, and I promise you this, you'll find yourself right back where you were. You have to be born again of the Spirit because it's the work of the Spirit. So by the Spirit, Paul says you need to put the death, the deeds of the body by the Spirit. It is a work of grace as we yield. It is a work of grace as we yield to to the Holy Spirit. Newness of life, the victorious life, is much more than self-control. You need the Spirit of God to do this. And God has placed the Holy Spirit in you so that you can walk in this. Uh, Human discipline has a place, but it's not enough. That's a good thing, to have desire, that's good, but I can tell you this, it's not enough. You need God to even pursue God. So that's why he puts the spirit in you because you actually need him to even come after him. Peter said, Lord, I will never fall away from you, even if everyone else does. I believe his intentions were so sincere, but guess what? He fell as well, why? Because he needed the spirit to even come after God. So even our greatest desires, without the Holy Spirit, we cannot come after him. It's the message of grace. So he puts the spirit in us that we can pursue after him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I love this. He says, Adam's curse was having to live life before God without life from God. Wow. I'll say that again, Adam's curse was having to live life before God without life from God. It's impossible. It's impossible to do the things of God without God living through you and leading you to do that, right? So the first thing by the Spirit is surrender. Surrender. Do you know what the true fight of faith is? It's to stop fighting God. It's to resist to God. Stop resisting God. The picture I have is the Holy Spirit's like a river, right? It's like a stream. It's like a current. It wants to take you. There's a place where it's almost effortless where he wants to move you. But here's where it is for us. We're like, the, we're like the guy with our feet planted in the mud. And the Spirit's trying to move us, but our job is to pluck our feet out and let it take us. Let it take us. Yield to what he wants to do. Practically, what does that look like? Obedience. I think obedience is one of the greatest ways we surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit. No matter what it looks like, no matter how much we agree and say, wait, I know that doesn't make sense. As you yield in obedience, you're letting the Spirit now take you. You're saying, I'm not going to do this according to my ways, right? I'm going to let the Spirit lead me. Ezekiel 36, 27, one of my favorite scriptures, speaking about the new covenant believer, me and you. There was a time prophesied where God said, the day that we're living and we experience, he says, I will pour out my spirit on man and cause him to follow me. The spirit in you will cause you to follow after God, which means your only work is to stop fighting God. (laughs) Because the spirit naturally wants to pursue the Lord. So why am I experiencing this? Most of the time it's us fighting against the Lord. If we would just yield and surrender, we'd find there's already a deep desire that can help us run far than we could ever do in our natural strength. That's good news. (laughs) Philippians 2, 12-13 one of those well-known scriptures about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know what it says, though, in verse 13? It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you're called to work it out with fear and trembling, but just know this. It's God actually working through you. It's his spirit working through you. It's the way that grace and our, our, our responsibility work together. It's how we surrender to the leading of the Lord. So number one is surrender. Number two, I, the Lord was speaking to me, is truth. How do you put to death the deeds of the body? Truth. What do you mean? If it's by the spirit, the spirit is the spirit of truth. Do you know what's fascinating? Do you know that there's only one offensive weapon in the armor of God? How many know about the armor of God? Ephesians 6, right? All of these things that it has, all this imagery, there's only one weapon that's offensive. What is it? sword of the spirit so we're called to put to death the deeds of the body by the spirit and we have one offensive weapon which is the sword of the spirit and the sword of the spirit is what the word of god it's the truth of god the truth of god is how you put why because it's lies guys sin is deceptive it's lies that break it free when you get in the word it starts revealing the shallowness and emptiness of sin truth is how you get set free i think one of the biggest ways is identity. One of the primary reasons we do the things that we do is because we believe lies about who we are. Do you know how Paul would exhort the body? He wouldn't just say, go start living, right? He would say, you are light, so walk in the light. Do you understand? He's saying, do you know who you are in Christ now? How you're living is not in alignment with who you are. It's the message of grace. So start living by the empowering presence that's with you. And the more you get in the word and know the truth of who you are, the more you start realizing, wait a minute, why am I settling for this? Why am I giving myself away to this person when I I should be living for something so much greater? It's the truth of God. The truth of God of his word reveals the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.13. What does that mean? It means that the power of temptation rests on a deceptive promise that sin is more satisfying than God himself. It's deceitful. And so the the truth of the word begins to reveal that God is all satisfying. That God is the greatest joy and greatest pleasure. And that this thing is just a what? Fleeting pleasure, it says. It has a moment of satisfaction, then it goes and leaves you more broken and empty than before. And the truth of God reveals that. And the last thing to close, and I honestly, this is probably the most important of all of them, is if you were to go back into verses 5 and 6 of this chapter, Romans 8, Paul says that we need to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. He's, and he actually says this, if you set your mind on the things of the spirit, you'll walk in the spirit. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you'll walk in the flesh. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 5, same exact thing. It says, put to death the earthly passions. All the stuff we talk about, lost all this stuff, right? Well, how? It says, you've been raised with Christ. So set your mind on things above in the heavenly. What does that mean? What does it mean to set your mind and your heart? It's talking about what preoccupies your heart. Just talking about what fascinates you. What are you gripped by? Like, what are you actually worshiping? It speaks into idols. See, the mistake we can make here is that Paul is just exhorting us to have some behavior modification here. Just make some adjustments for a few hours around Christians, and, and then when you leave, just go do what you want to do. No, no, no. The way you get set free, like really free, is to figure out what am I setting my mind and my heart on. Jesus actually said in Matthew fifteen nineteen. He says, for out of the heart flows evil thoughts, all of this stuff. Which means if you just start addressing your actions, you're missing it. You'll find yourself going in circles. You need to address what actually drives my actions. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you to set your mind and heart on the things of Jesus. Why? Because he wants to show you the beauty, the greatness, like the wonder and awe of Christ. That you would be so captivated by his superior pleasure that every inferior pleasure would be broken off in your life. That when you actually see him, you'd say, why would I want anything else? I have access to him. I can walk with him. And so I want to encourage you that when you find, like, yourself struggling in things, don't, don't just stop with the, 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 the action. You've got to get before the Lord and find out what is actually driving this. What's, what am I actually going after? What am I actually looking for? A lot of things that drive our hearts, approval, like power, Security you find out these are the things that actually lead to what we see on the outside. I'll give you, I'll give you one example. I like to share this example. I did it uh, recently with SUM students, so bear with me, guys. But when it comes to like deep idols, just so you can see this and how you've got to get deeper than actions. Imagine that there was me and two other men that were struggling with money, right? If I struggle with money, you could easily come up and say, oh man, you need to put to death that action of, of greed, right? But it's not that simple, because if you talk to me, you may find out that my, my passion for money, the reason why my heart and my mind is set on that is because that gives me acceptance into certain social circles that I could never get without it. It's actually acceptance that I'm looking for and money's the way that I get it, right? You could talk to the person next to me and you find out the reason why they are so obsessed with money is because it actually gives them a place of power. And they only feel value or worth if they have power or dominance over someone. And then another person that struggles with money, when you talk to him, you actually find out the reason why they love money so much is because it gives them security. The more that they have, the more secure that they feel. And the point is this, is that all outwardly are struggling with the same thing, but the heart is very different. And the way you get set free is to find out what you're actually looking for and then find Jesus as the one who satisfies it. So with its security, you find out your security is actually in Christ. And all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, money's not a bad thing, but it doesn't need to have that place in my heart. It could all go and I'm secure in the Lord, right? Man, I may never get accepted from another person, but I am fully accepted by the finished work of Christ before God Almighty. This is where you start breaking actions in your life. So twofold, twofold. Ray, if you want to put uh, something on, and we'll close here. Twofold. How do you get rid of this? Setting your mind. Two things to make it easy to memorize. Repentance and rejoicing. Two are very important. Most of the time, we skip one of them. I know I do. And and you get all messed up. If all you do is repent and see God's showing you something has an unhealthy grip in your heart, and all you do is repent, but never see Christ as the sufficient answer and find joy in him, you'll be very depressed. You'll be in this weird religious state. (laughs) Like when Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, it's follow me. So when you deny yourself, he's not leaving you in this weird middle ground of just dead religion. He says, you want to know what happens when you yield your life? You get me. You get the fullness of me the more and more, you, more and more you do this. And so we have to have both. If all we do is go into rejoicing and say his mercy and he's so good and he's the one who, who satisfies my heart. But we never actually like talk about what our hearts are set on. It's shallow. And so you need both. And so I encourage you that if you feel like there's things that are strongholds in your life, come before the Lord and say, God, show me. Come before in repentance. Get specific. Lord, these are the things I've built my life around. And I don't want to do that anymore. Ask them to unmask it to you. Because they're deceptive. They make you think that you can live without Jesus, but you can't live without this thing. And you ask them to say, show me the truth of this, God. Show me the truth of what it's actually doing to my life. And then as you begin to see this, and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal the depths of these things, and then you say, now, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. I want to see Jesus as the answer. I want to rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean? It means reflecting on what Jesus has done until your heart rests in it. And it becomes so sweet to your heart. And you realize he's the answer. He's the answer. So there's freedom, guys, for every one of us. Freedom, newness of life to live by the Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit in obedience. Learn, learn to love the word and the truth of God. And then when you see things in your life, learn to come before him and repent and rejoice in Christ as the answer. And we'll actually experience what, what Paul is saying here, that you don't have to wait for a future date. You can actually walk right now. So I'm gonna pray for us and then uh, if the prayer team wants to come forth right now, you can. But I really believe in my heart that if there's stuff going on in your life, we want to pray with you. To get you set free. So I'm going to pray for us as a body, and then afterwards, if you want specific prayer, the team will be up here. All right. Are you guys, good. You with me? All right. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you came and rescued us. Lord, we not only have a glorious hope, but we're declaring today by your word that we have a glorious present. And I thank you, Jesus, you made a way for the power of sin to be broken in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that, that our hope is not in death. Our hope is in you. And we can experience freedom here and now. Lord, that we would be effective witnesses in this world. That we would testify to the world in the way that we live. That the light that is in us is truly greater than the darkness in this world. And people would see it in every aspect of our life. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit. That you would help us and lead us by your strength, to put to death everything that has tried to take us captive and lead us into death. And Lord, may we be a church that walks in the purity that you've made available, that we would experience the joys and pleasures of living according to your ways and your will. And I even pray today, Lord, that as people come and pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would touch them even now before they leave. Give them a grace in their life to run after you, Lord. Holy Spirit, reveal your beauty to people before they step off this property. Reveal your greatness. Holy Spirit, reveal the truth of who they are in you. Reveal the truth of what they've set their heart on if it's not you. Reveal the truth of it. Show them for for what it really is, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, And Pastor Crystal wants to share something. And then if you'd like to come forth, we have Don and um, Diane will come up as well.
0: Uh, But don't wait. I feel and sense that the Lord is saying he wants you to respond to him, not to wait for the prayer team. So if the Lord is tugging on your heart, I want you to come to the altar for the Lord. I want you to come up here and respond to the Lord. And we will pray for you, but... You need to lift your feet up, and that's what I sense the Lord on right now. Those of you who sense the Lord that you are not lifting your feet up, I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward and just respond to the Lord. If the worship team could come up here, you need to lift your feet up. The, the prayer team can't lift your feet up, guys. We're going to pray for you, but you need to lift your feet up. There is a river flowing. It's been prophesied, actually, that there's been visions of a river flowing through this parking lot. So when Pastor Andrew said that, I couldn't help but sense that a lot of us were sitting there with our knees shaking in that moment, feet stuck in the mud. Lift your feet up right now. Lift your feet up. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We surrender and submit. It is so easy when we lift our feet up in the river of God. You just take us. Oh, Jesus. All of the places that we have dug our feet into the mud as you Continue to flow. Your grace continues to flow through our lives, but we feel our knees buckling. We feel our knees shaking. We feel your river, Lord God. We feel your river flowing through, and yet we are stubborn and stuck, Lord. Help us right now. Pour out your grace and mercy right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for your sweet conviction. And keep coming up. Keep coming.